The QPR podcast is brought to you in association with PartyPoker.com. Sign up now using the bonus code QPRPOD and PartyPoker will match your initial deposit. QPR! Hello and welcome to the QPR podcast. I am David Fraser um, and I'm joined tonight by three other QPR fans. Um, Chris Mendez to my left of ITV Sport. Hello. Good evening. Uh, We also have uh, Jim Evans returning for another appearance on the podcast. All right. Sorry, that was my Paul Finney. Hello. <laughs> well, we had to have him. He's not here this week. He's um, more brummy. In his place, <laughs> may, maybe, maybe piling um, pressure on you. No, never a replacement for Paul. No. QPR podcast debutante, Simon Rain. Hello. Welcome. You've come very well prepared, Simon. I yeah. see. You oh, wow, have that. notes. You will learn. You will learn. Diagrams, everything. We this definitely need to take a picture of that. Let, let, let me have a look. It's PowerPoint wonderful, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> wow. It's, look at that. You can see it's categorised. We've got pictures of Nicholas Bentner, which I assume is, is some kind of Nicholas <laughs> Poulter comparison. The hairstyles are similar. Yeah. Um, it's the almost... phrase new Leroy Griffiths is written. Let's tackle that one straight away. Who's the new Leroy Griffiths? Uh, Emmanuel Thomas, who I thought had a, a shocking game uh, on Saturday. Very kind of powerful and strong as old Leroy was, but quality-wise, I think, lacking slightly. Oh, you just knew when he missed that chance they were going to go and mm. score. You, you've actually set this out, and we will tweet a picture if we haven't already. You've set this out as the, you, each player's got a little box with notes. This is amazing. It's like the formation as well. Um, Have you and, noticed? Like and also... 4-4-1-1-1-1. Four, four, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if we, if we struggle with what, to, with what to talk about, we can always come to you, Simon. <laughs> no, sorry. I, I think I did that to you last time, Jim, actually. Yeah, yeah. You I'm, came with a brainstorm I'm a spider, or spider-gram, spider-gram sort of yeah. guy. Um, yeah. Um, I was very... very it was a re- weird game, weird game. I, I was quite surprised at the boos at the end of the match. I mean, yeah. it was disappointing to throw away a 2-0 lead. Of course it is at home, but, I mean, I'm kind of caught in my head, like, you know, the passionate fan, you know, kind of just expecting the ridiculous. But also, like, what do we expect? You know, right, and then I, I was thinking about it the next day and I asked myself, would I want to be in Cardiff's position? They have a new stadium. They weren't in the Premier League that long ago. yeah. And they might have a challenge for the playoffs, maybe. Is that, would that be a better position than QPR's right now? You could argue that it probably is. They think they're in a terrible position. I know this because my father-in-law is a Cardiff City season ticket holder. He comes with me every year. He does what I would never do. I probably shouldn't admit this, which is sit in, oh. sit in the seat next to me with his <laughs> mouth shut. I would never, ever sit in the home end. But he, because he sort of comes and sits with me, and they can't stand their manager, think they could get relegated, definitely think they won't reach the playoffs. So I'm wow. not sure they would. Well, sort of that. Yeah, that probably indicates a kind of just perpetual dissatisfaction. The doom of a football thing. <laughs> exactly. Well, listening to the um, post-match interviews afterwards, they interviewed Charlie Austin on, and Malone alone on the pitch who scored the winner and uh, one two things I took from that Charlie Austin clearly doesn't want to be there <laughs> he wants to be in the Premier League which is fine and he deserves to be um, and the, the guy who's got the, um, the equaliser on Cardiff has said that um, you know it was a game between two teams that will be pushing for the top six and I just don't, don't see that I ho- for, for, for a pure entertainment basis I hope not because that was <laughs> 
that was championship kind of exactly middle of the road fodder. Yeah. There was very, very, for me, very little quality on show when they, throughout. Yeah, the Cardiff's goal went in. I was like, how dare you? How dare you do that in a game which was just... Yeah, of- that was the best <laughs> thing in the whole match was Malone's equaliser. In terms of football oh. ability, quality, that was like... That was a good finish, wasn't it? Oh. Yeah. What did you think, Simon? Uh, just going back to the booze uh, for a moment, I think people have kind of very short memories of the start of seasons gone by relatively recently of getting kind of spanked at five and four nil. Uh, we have a very kind of new-ish side, a relatively kind of young side as well. Kind of time needs to be given for them to bed in. And I actually find it, found it quite enjoyable to go from a first home game, not five nil, not bottom of the league. So kind of count your blessings to an extent. Mm. Can I just say I love Sebastian Poulter? Well, should we do Sebastian Poulter now? Um, I just he's just the new Nicholas he, Bentner. Well, no, no, he's he tries more than Bentner. Um, for me, for me, there's, there's something kind of wonderful about watching this guy maybe develop. Like, he, he clearly tries hard. I know he only came in like 20 or 20 odd minutes or so. But there was one bit he tried to play out of defence and nearly gave away a suicide ball and then played yeah. a really nice passing for it. There's some Emmanuel players Thomas. you can immediately tell are going to be, quote unquote, a character. And the guy yeah. is obviously a clown. Like, <laughs> you can tell that immediately. But there's sort of all, immediately also something quite endearing and charming yes. about him, isn't there? Yeah. Sort of running around. He, see, he gives the, the cliche 100%, as yeah. you can tell. He runs to, around. He's got try-hard ponytail. He, kind of look, he looked like a lost little boy to me. A very big lost little boy, <laughs> but a lost boy at the same time. Oh, no, I loved it when he, like... Like shielded the ball from about three Cardiff defenders in the bottom left-hand corner near the loft. I just started laughing. I was like, "Brilliant! This guy's going to bring some entertainment value." I don't know if I could trust him to finish it, finish it. No, <laughs> no. Know, but but a kind of it's really refreshing to see somebody that I know very very little about, and we've not paid for past performances. You know, that's what we've done yeah. the last few years. We've paid for. They did this, you know, fifty games ago for ten games. We don't know what this guy's going to do. He might be dreadful, but he could be great. Yeah. I wasn't convinced of our formation. When, I, when the team came out, I didn't have a clue what formation we were going to play. It just didn't, didn't, very, didn't seem cohesive when we were playing. Well, you know, I think either this week or next week is the one-year anniversary since the sad demise death tragic death of the 352 oh, <laughs> or was it 532 or something yeah it was the sweeper thing yeah For that Rio lasted Ferdinand. all of one Hol- and a bit games Hol- or, so, yeah <laughs> well, that, that was never going to work with a 35 36 year old sweeper no in Ferdinand but. It, it, what was more weird was a manager that's been a manager for 25 30 years doing something that he didn't do before and the thing about formation is interesting I think when I remember Leicester Coming when we were in the championship last time and dominating, they played four four two. They basically had Vardy and Nugent. Exactly, they had mobile wingers, people with decent positioning up front, and people that would win the ball and pass it in midfield. And it sounds like when you look at that, and I'm, I'm going to give Rangers quite a lot of time because I want to, and I think it's it, ironically it's time to give time, as it were. Um, but when I saw that, I thought, I think we need to play four four two in this league. I want to be proved wrong. But well, I thought back to how Leicester and I think Burnley also did the same. They, you know, they had Ings and Vokes, yeah. and then they had some decent wingers. Uh, you know, I think did they have, did they have Kitely and I can't remember who else. Uh, former maybe Chris Eagles. I'm not sure, but it was four four two seems to be the way forward. I think in yeah. Championship, just, I'm not sure we have the, the a good enough central midfielders to do that. Like Henry, we've made, we, like, as much as I dislike him, we missed something with Barton. 
when he's when he's gone now, we, we don't really have that bite in midfield. And that's the moment Simon points to his page of notes, and there is a box there that says the Barton question. What is the Barton question, Simon? Would we be more likely to go up this year if we had a commanding fiddle? Uh, sorry, commanding figure in the centre of midfield? Because I felt we missed Barton on Saturday. Yes, he has his issues. Technically, I don't think he's up to Premiership standard, but as a as a Championship central midfield player, I don't think there's actually anyone better. And it amazes me that we just didn't at least give him kind of a an extra year on his contract to kind of help us get out of the league. But there's two issues around Joey yeah. Barton, aren't there? I, I don't think anybody really disagrees that he can do a job in, in the Championship. That's I true. think that's his level. The two issues are the amount of money he costs. And if we're asking QPR to be a bit more sensible and a bit more considered now, 70, reported 70 grand a week is far too much to be paying at that level. When reportedly we backed off from Tim Ream uh, because we wouldn't go higher than 15 grand a week. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, and the second one is the question mark over his sort of attitude, I suppose. Is he, was he the bad egg that he was talking, he was accusing everyone else of being? If, so yeah. there perhaps I, I would get, I'm guessing, but that would be the reason why we don't still have Joey Barton at the club, wouldn't it? If he did help us go up this season, I'd rather we didn't have him because I don't want us to go up this season. I just think we'd go straight back down because we're not ready for it yet. I'm really glad he's not about... I think back to... I think he got sent off maybe four times to QPR, but I might be wrong there, but three of the times were really, really crucial matches. That game against Norwich that was stupid. The game against Hull, which was just Mm. like, what are you... You're a professional. This is your job. What are you doing? You clown. And then obviously everybody knows the Man City. And all of those... Yeah, obviously every game's important I still always feel sorry for him about the Man City one I still always feel sorry for him because he got a proper dig from um, he was was slightly uh, Tevez he was he was but the thing is you know there are 21 other people kind of alright he didn't get the dig they didn't get the dig from Tevez but it's just like Joey you've played so many games (laughs) you should know it's true look at the bigger picture as a man studying philosophy look at the bigger picture and see what's going on here and think do you know what I'm just going to Take one for the team, as it were, rather than completely ruin the team. We were so lucky to stay up that season, and he made it worse that time. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad he's gone, and I'm much rather invest my time and effort in somebody. Oh, they're not the same player, but Luongo impressed me a lot at the weekend. And, yeah. um, I'd rather have somebody like him. What do we think of Cherry, Luongo and Gladwin and, and how they did on Saturday? Well, I, I was quite disappointed that Cherry only got 55 minutes uh, and kind of wasn't given the opportunity to really kind of so why did that happen? He brought on Doherty, Doughty. Well, he said after the game, he just said, oh, I just felt for both Sherry Ch- and Austin. Lead, right? No, no, he's just said for both of them, he said, oh, I just looked like they'd given everything. And, I uh, thought Austin wasn't fit. He didn't look fit to me. Well, there, there were a couple of times in the game where I think they may have both been in the first half where I don't know, it might have been Matt Phillips one time and possibly a different Gladwin another time that they just fizzed the ball across the goal line and there was no one there to put it in. And you just know that a goal scorer of Austin's quality should be there to put it away yeah I, I mean it's going back a bit but the friendly against Dundee United I think that was one of his first games back and Austin mm. was slow and I, again I don't think he looked I mean hey That's what happens he scored. when you get married yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take your eye off the ball that's true um, but but yeah I mean oh, here's a ter- I'm going to say it, it's terrible Cherry's the icing on a terrible cake at the moment <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't even prepare that, but I there you go. I think we'll leave that there because we've got an interview. <laughs> <laughs>
now that we've got to go to. Um, Saturday, the game against Rotherham is Stan Bowles Day, which is sort of benefit day uh, for club legend Stan, uh, who's recently been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, as I'm sure everybody knows, and there's various things going on. We thought, who can we get to talk about Stan and and, and pay a tribute to him? No one more fitting than uh, club legend himself, former manager, former teammate of Stan. On the line now, we've got Jerry Francis. Jerry, thank you for joining us, particularly ahead of Saturday, which is Stan Bowles Day. Start off by giving us your tribute to Stan Bowles and and how you think of Stan. Well, I think it's... um, Yeah, I remember Stan first coming in. I think they brought him from Carlisle for £110,000, if my memory serves me well. Um, And he'd been a bit... He'd been at Man City and had a few problems there, and I think at Crew and one or two things. I think he'd have a little bit of reputation, be difficult to handle, or a bad boy, whatever the situation was. But uh, when he came in, just from day one, uh, as, a, as a pair of footballers, we just had this unbelievable rapport and understanding, really. Um, we could actually play the ball to each other blind, and um, it was just from absolute day one. And, um, um, you know, I've never really had a sort of relationship or understanding of anybody else um, uh, since. Um, so those few years or those number of years at Queens Park Rangers, you know, through the the you know the fantastic year of seventy five, seventy six, when we nearly won the title, um, going into European football, where Stan broke the uh, goal scoring record in European football, I seem to remember. Um, to be perfectly honest, he, he whenever I see Messi now, he always reminds me of Stan <laughs> and the way he was and the way he moved and the way he saw things, you know. And um, um, yeah, my only, uh, probably my, both our only regret was that we both played for England at roughly the same sort of time. Obviously, I went on to captain England, but uh, Stan didn't get nowhere near, you know, the caps he should have done. But we never played together, and uh, that was such a shame because obviously he brought out the best in me and I brought out the best in him. So. Uh, it was a real disappointment to us both that we never actually played for England together for one reason or another. He was in the team and I was in the or vice versa, whatever the situation was. But um, certainly, um, you know, as a character, I mean, you know, um, people all know about the stories, you know, of, you know, quarter to three and he's still in the betting shop around the corner, um, you know. Were they true? Yeah, From you, in your experience, I mean, it was uh, it did get dissected down a little bit. I don't know if they left it, you know, quarter to three or ten to three, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But <laughs> certainly, you know, certainly before that, I mean, but that was Stan's way of relaxing. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he he, you know, um, so he had to sit in that dressing room, you know, like they do now, shall we say, and be concentration and preparing. That would probably drive him mad. Stan had to have something else. Um, you know, happening or do something. So it just sort of took away from from uh, the game. I mean, I remember, uh, uh, I've spoken about it before, but we, we were actually training at Rystep, I think, and we were playing Arsenal in the evening, and Stan said, I'll come back to my to my my place and we'll have a bit of dinner. And Anne, his first wife, he uh, she got all the dinner for us, and we were in his lounge, and there was a three-piece suite there, table, television. And um, we were sitting there, and Anne had just brought the dinner in, and there was a knock at the door. And when I opened the door, it's a bailiff. They took the <laughs> television, the three-piece suite, um, and all that was there was our two dinners on the carpet. <laughs> um, and that was Stan. And then, you know, we went and played Arsenal in the uh, evening, 2-2, and Stan got both goals. <laughs> that's that Stan bowl summed up to a tee. 
Jerry, is it true that uh, you know, 15 minutes into a game, he'd be rushing over to the touchline to uh, find out how his horse did because his mate was in the front row? Well, I don't know. No, I don't think. I mean, one thing I, I would say about Stan, with all the bits and pieces of things about Stan from that point of view, Stan was a winner. He wanted to win. Yeah. You know, and and um, you know, he he was somebody that wasn't out there just to nutmeg somebody. He wanted to win and he wanted to do well, and then he, he had that about him, and that was that was really good. That's why you know you don't sustain that level of football at the highest level and score those goals year in year out unless you've got that winning mentality about you. And certainly Stan had that. You know, he was a competitor. He did have his, um, you know, in different situations, you know, uh, about his life, which, which is, that's how he was. That was his character. And that, that's obviously never changed. But um, certainly in terms of, um, you know, training and wanting to win and wanting the team to win, you know, um, he was certainly, um, you know, top of his class in that respect. We've seen quite. We've got a long list, you know, long list of one-liners that he's famous for. Have you got a particular moment that stands out um, of your QPR career, of Stan? Sorry, I didn't get that. Have uh, you got a particular moment that stands out um, of your time together at QPR? Um, blimey! Um, obviously, the, uh, the the one I told you about is how stands out for me. But I think on the pitch. On the pitch, um, there's one that stood out with me. I think him and, and, and Malcolm McDonald had a bet, I think, once about <laughs> who would score the winning goal or the goal. I can't remember what it was against Newcastle. I think Stan scored it in the last minute. And I remember him jumping up in the air in front of Malcolm McDonald. And there was a picture in the paper of him doing that. <laughs> and I always remember, um, you know, with his cheeky face. And it was just epitomised sort of Stan and the way he was, you know, um, I mean, obviously, there's loads of memories, et cetera, et cetera, uh, good and bad, you know. I mean, um, I remember we both went to the uh, to watch the uh, Liverpool Wolves game, you know, for the title. There we were, title winners for whatever amount of days it was, and it was really hard to take watching Liverpool take that away from us in the studio, you know. And um, I think we went there together, and we were going out, but we both went our separate ways. We were that fed up, I think. So, you know, good and bad times, but certainly it was a pleasure for me to play with... Um, such a tremendous player and such a great uh, football brain, really. You know, I could run past him, and I knew that in a few seconds that ball would be coming past into my into my stride for me to go for goal. I mean, he was just he was just he was an outstanding player and, and should have played, you know, for me a lot more at the highest level in terms of England. Uh, Jerry, many of our listeners won't have, won't be old enough to have seen Stan play. For for, for them and, and others who who haven't who are big QPR fans but perhaps haven't seen Stan play, explain what kind of a player he was and what the impact and the impact that he made on the club. Well, I would, I'd say you've only got to look at Messi. I'm serious. I think he, he had the same shape about him, a bit taller, obviously. Uh, probably Messi's got a little bit more of a change of pace than Stan. Stan was still very mobile. Great tricks. You know, turn people inside out, just like Messi does on his left foot, in and out, in and out. Could could pass the ball with the outside of his left foot as he could with somebody, you know, with a right foot. But he still could use his right foot. I've seen him come inside and curl it into the far corner of his right foot. He was such an intelligent footballer. Knew everybody around him, where they were. Um, you know, it, it, uh, for me, every time I watch Messi, it reminds me of Stan. And that was before he was a, you know, renowned, um, you know, top, well-beating footballer. Um, even when he first came into the. Uh, into his football career I watched him when he played out wide on the right wing and he was very very similar to Stan then and he always reminded me of him the West 12 Messi 
<laughs> I like that. Absolutely, yeah. And, and um, just to... number 10, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just the, the last question on Stan, really. It, it, the Stan Bowles Day is on Saturday, and it coincides with the 40th anniversary of the 5-1 win um, at Derby County when Stan got yeah. a hat-trick. What are your memories of that day? Well, they were obviously the uh, they were obviously the reigning um, um, League One champions, Derby, uh, when we went there, and um, um, we won five one. But it was a much tougher game than that. I mean, Derby's t- pitch was never the best, as, as well. I don't suppose people remember, but um, it was always not not the greatest of pitches. But um, at times we were under a lot of pressure during that game. But our our our, our turnover and our breaks. And the way we changed pace and got into our forward um, movement was was tremendous. And uh, certainly we were a real good footballing team on the break or in possession. And, um, you know, there were some fantastic moves in that. There's a 75-76 video that uh, a couple of people have done. And some of the games and some of the football was fantastic, you know. And uh, it's a pleasure to see and remember after all these years. So... For that, that, you know, the the seventy five seventy six season for me, you know, from one game to the next was um, was an outstanding season. It's worth looking at to see the sort of football we played, and that was at a time when you could really tackle. Then, you know, Stan had to take a lot of stuff from behind, which wouldn't happen nowadays. You know, top players are, are you know, with skill and ability are much more protected nowadays than they were in those days. You really had to look after yourself. You used to take a lot of sticks. So, you know, it's um, it's worth seeing if you haven't seen it. Hi, Stan. Uh, Simon here. Uh, in my opinion, we kind of miss uh, players in the modern English game as the kind of the style and fashion uh, of Stan. So kind of two questions uh, from that. Kind of, firstly, would kind of Stan make it in kind of the current climate? And two, why are kind of these players kind of not coming through to the English game and kind of not really making it uh, very much so in the Premier League kind of the idea that comes to my head, kind of the player recently at QPR, Adele Tarak, kind of just faded off very much to kind of the stand mould. Uh, kind of just wondered what your opinions on that were at all. Well, I mean, if you're asking me, would the players that I played against, like Pele, Revelino, Cruyff, Neeskins, Beckenbauer, make it in today's football and stand bowls? I mean, you know, for someone that's in two years' time been in football for 50 years um, at the highest level, um, not only make it, they would be outstanding. Um, basically, because of the difference in in pitches, the difference in equipment, the difference in psychology, um, the, the the technical difference in terms of like not being able to be kicked anywhere you like from behind. Um, it would give the top players even more ability uh, to show what they can do and what they can't do. You know, some of the players that are stars today would they struggle in the days when, you know, players could go right through the back of them and, you know, have to get up and start again. So I think there's no doubt that top, top players um, from the 60s and 70s when I started, the top players then would be top players now and probably even more so because they would have a lot more protection and a lot more fitness levels, a lot more science to go with it, whether it be from an eating point of view, diet point of view, fitness point of view. I mean, it's so much better and, and easier for, for players today than it ever was back in those days. Jerry, um, What was the other question? 
Uh, it was kind of, uh, we've had a kind of a, a recent kind of folk hero yeah, well, in, in QPR, I mean, kind of Adele Turat, and kind of, he yeah, kind I of failed. Yeah, and Stan Bowles, and I wouldn't say there's much of a difference between the two. I think they're, they're worlds apart. I think Turat had great ability um, um, in terms of he could do things on the pitch and, and, and score some wonderful goals, but his his desire to work for me and like I spoke about Stan desire to want to win games was a real question mark for me and uh, you would see to that one week and he would look you know outstanding you see him next week you wouldn't know he was on the pitch so I think you know that consistency of performance is a must you have to really have a major desire you know all of the top players that win um, the top competitions and win things at the highest level not only do they have the ability know-how technique but they have a major will to win and to work as as, as, a, as a player. Um, and, and I think that's what you have to have. Loads and loads of people I've seen with great ability never even make it to professional, or if they become professional, never make it any further than that. But they've got great ability because you've got to have a, a heart, a soul, and be prepared to roll your sleeves up and sweat. Jerry, what have you made of QPR's start to the season? And is it true that you held talks with the club um, during the summer about joining the coaching staff? Yeah, no, I did speak to uh, Les and um, Chris, it's no, no secret, and they did ask me, and um, obviously after my 20-odd um, year association with the club, nothing would have given me greater pleasure than to help Queen's Park Rangers in some way, um, if I could, but I was committed you know, to Tony Pulis and to West Bromwich Albion, so um, unfortunately that wasn't able to materialise. Um, but certainly, you know, um, I think it's great to see Les back at the club, and I think that um, I think Chris needs a little bit of help and time at the moment because it's a big transition that they're trying to do now. Last time they went down, they kept, them, you know, all of the top players. They added to that and obviously managed to get back up. But uh, the situation at the moment is obviously a lot of things have changed around. A lot of players have gone. A lot of players have come in, and um, you know, there's a real tough competitive league, the championship, and. Um, Certainly, you know, it might take a little... If they get promoted this year, it'd be a fantastic job. Um, but I think, it, you know, you might need a little bit of time, both of them, Les and Chris, to sort of get the club up and running and back to, and back to um, you know, as it should be and get in that Premier League. I mean, this is my 15th year in the Premier League now and um, it's, a, it's a tough, tough division. And, um, but you've got to get there and stay there if you really want to build your football club on and off the field. I mean, QPR, they do need a new stadium for me. They do need new training facilities, you know, and uh, if you can stay in the Premier League for four or five years, you know, like what happened at Stoke, you know, you, it's amazing what you can build. You know, I think we had porter cabins that leaked at Stoke when I first went there. <laughs> five years later, we were, you know, FA Cup finals in Europe, Level 1 Academy, and a 27 million state-of-the-art training ground. So um, that's the sort of things you can build on if you can stay there. Jerry, thank you very much for joining us. I know you've got to um, pop off now, so we'll let you go. Uh, please yeah. do come on again. And great words uh, about Stan. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Great, mate. No problem. Take, Take care. care. Thanks, Jerry. Cheers. Thanks, Jerry. Bye, mate. Bye. West 12 Messi. What do you think of that? I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Like it? My dad said when he watched Messi went he's like Stan Bowles <laughs> I started laughing I mean really I just wish, and then he sat me down and told me about Stan Bowles but I just wish we had a player like that um, in the squad Messi. at the moment yeah yeah it would be nice yeah whilst we're at it um, I'll, 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 have, I'll have Ronaldo up front as well then which is the two of them we'll boss the league 
Um, I, we're all. I don't want to embarrass anyone by asking their age, but we we, we look all too young to have seen um, Stan Bowles play. I know I certainly was, and, and I'm the youngest one. But it, he's kind of one of those players that even if you, you you haven't, just kind of his reputation goes before him, and he's he's ingrained as part of the DNA of the club and the, the club's greatest player. Well, he um, Jerry referred to the Malcolm McDonald bet, and I, I know the photo of him celebrating in front of Malcolm McDonald in that bet. As soon, kind of, as soon as he said that, I was like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what you mean. And yeah, he is, and it, it's one of those, you know, uh, fans of an older generation, it's, it's Marshall Bowles, isn't it? You know, that's a question. Yeah. Um, and I think that's testament to how great a player he was for us. And he was with us for quite a long time. Yeah, you seven, think? eight years. Yeah. And he took over from Rodney Marsh. So it, that, and which I, I don't know, I wasn't there, but that's quite a... It wasn't directly from him. It wasn't kind of instantaneous. But he had to pick up that mantle, you know. He had to take over... Who's the person who's going to take over from Messi at Barcelona? Messi too, or whoever. Um, Fair play to the club, actually, I was going to say, for what they're doing um, on Saturday. So it's it's really sad, but Stan has got Alzheimer's. Um, And so Saturday, as we said in the interview, is the 40th anniversary of the 5-1 win um, against Derby uh, in that season, the 75-76 season. They're doing loads of things. They're fundraising on the day, which they haven't announced yet, but I know is coming later. Special match shirts, which I think is a really lovely touch. That's they, a gesture. Lovely gesture. They're replacing the AirAsia have agreed to not be the shirt sponsor on Saturday, and instead they're having the Alzheimer's Society on the, on the shirt, which is a fantastic gesture. Uh, what else is there? Stan Bowles' uh, granddaughter is the main QPR mascot, I believe. Um, and sort of various things like the tribute programme and there's offers on in the club shop on um, uh, retro shirts and things like that, as well as collections. So it's quite, the club get quite a lot of stick, but I think... Um, I know Ian Taylor and, and Andy Evans have had quite a lot to do with it. So sort of fair play to them, really. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. Okay, right. Other items. What else is on your list, Simon? Seeing as you're, you're driving the show today because none of the rest of us bothered to sort of make any notes. Uh, what I find most kind of uh, disappointing by Saturday is kind of uh, the club has tried to push. We're very much so kind of going to push youth, kind of give youth a chance. Uh, and then looking at the left back and the right back, one's 29, one's mid-30s, kind of one's a relative kind of has-been uh, What's happened to Suk Young and kind of uh, Darnell Furlong, and why weren't they starting? We miss Suk Young. He's injured. I think he's back in a couple of weeks. I'm not too sure about Furlong. Um, and also going back to your formation thing, what yeah. you were saying, the four-two-three-one, which I think is what we were sort of playing. You need you need fullbacks to be able to bomb on. And mm. I don't remember Perch or Koncheski no. ever get. A, you know, they didn't have the best home debuts. For me, Perch, I, I was like, no, oh, Danny Simpson. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kind. Of, it was kind of kind of what I thought a little bit. Perch is okay, but he doesn't really offer you much going forward. When Suk Young's uh, fit again, I think he could really like cause some damage in this league. He could even possibly play but as a winger. That's why they signed Kanchelski or yeah. Kanchelskis, as my father-in-law kept referring <laughs> to him. Um, Troy always still there. So he can do some. He can do damage. Yeah. He can but, do damage. But they, but they, <laughs> they they've Wrong signed Kanchelski until these guys get fit again, haven't they? I would have thought. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Let's hope. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's the only position he can cover, really. But not, oh, God dear, Clint Hill's injured, Koncheski plays <laughs> centre-back. No, I don't want to see it. I thought Hill 
He scored. Great header. Yeah. Do you know what though? We're so forgiving of Hill. We are so forgiving because he he let in he let him in for the first goal. I I, I think Hill, which we all don't talk about, because it's Clint Hill. So we move on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. True. But he did. Sorry. For for me, Hill had a relatively bad game. Both Hill and Anua to me look relatively quite slow. Uh, and kind of not to the required it's not level. Usually, Hill what people put, say about Anua, <laughs> isn't it? As, as, as a combined team, that back four it's is slow, kind of yeah. far too slow for this league. Hill, mm. Hill was instrumental in the first three goals. You see, scored one, let someone in for the other one, and then he just handballed it to uh, Austin yeah. for, for a second assist. He'd be brilliant if there was a Premier League uh, fancy football for the yeah. championship. <laughs> so, so with um, fourteen days left, it's two weeks today. The um, transfer window closes what do we need we need not to sell um two or three of our first team players on deadline day without any replacements and you can just see it happening now no one's going to pay austin's 15 million pound fee until right at the last minute won't give us enough time to replace him will go Uh, let's say it here now don't anyone at the club fool themselves austin will go we'll get his replacement before then be like remy and someone in the premier league will do worse and Sunderland will lose another two, three games and panic on yeah. the 1st of September. We've got money, from the, we've got money from the Sterling deals just, uh, that we've sold. Just use that to buy another forward and sell Austin in, on the last minute just for as much as you can get for him. Yeah. It's going to be what? Buy a forward is going to get 15 goals for us this year in the championship and, you know, and kind of bite the bullet and think we'll recoup the money when Austin goes because exactly what you said. Yeah, exactly what you said. Some Premier League teams will panic. We may even get a bidding war. Mm. Uh, but wouldn't it be nice for it to be kind of the onus not on us uh, we've got somebody that we need it's great Charlie's on his way out we're just waiting to get the money to come in yeah if you, if you don't sell him now and he doesn't sign a new contract then he goes for nothing yeah um, what other players did we see for the first time uh, Simon said what he thinks of J. Manuel Thomas uh, anyone else got a view on him hey. Oh dear Because I think Didn't he just try to Hoof a ball Then lose it And then ultimately That led to the goal I I thought Well and also I I thought bad finishing Let us down On Saturday He finished poorly I think Phillips Should have done better I know it was a great save uh, When he sort of Came in Came in from the right And the keeper Made two good saves At two different points But he should have done better there um, and Austin also won. He 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 didn't finish like Charlie Austin when it got cleared off the line by Connolly. That was unlucky because it sort of hit the rebounded, hit the post, hit a defender or something like that. Um, yeah, Philip, Phillips tends to be much better at instinctive finishes, wallops or great things on the moment. But when he's got time, he always tends to not put it away. Do do we think Phillips is going to go? Because I think that'd be a massive miss if he does. Yeah. Oh, I think they're. Desperate to get rid of Hoylet as well, but he's, he's on big wages. That, that, the Phillips one is the decision they need to make now and be firm about it. Either go or he is not going. There's no pressure to sell him because he's in contract and got several years on his contract. But that would, I, I think that it would be, let's accept Charlie's going, but don't kind of acquiesce, which is a word I've never used on the podcast before. <laughs> don't acquiesce to the 1st of September and then. Matt Phillips goes Leroy- that be we won't be prepared for that Leroy Fur is he going 
Well, I think that would be the intention, wouldn't it? Well, provided he can pass a medical. Uh, I think based on the ironically based, although we signed a lot of midfielders, I think we need another midfielder. And I can't believe I'm actually saying that. There needs to be, like, I I would love Ali Fallin to partner longer. That could be brilliant, but mm, he's going to get injured. They're too similar, I think. I don't think they'll play those two together. And Ramsey came out last week and said, oh, Fallin's going to be used sparingly. He's a ball player. So when we oh that's good so basically he's going to play him against he's going to play him against shit teams I think. Oh, I'm not um, I, I thought we weren't going to get the e for um, swearing <laughs> we, we we won't stop and, and go over that we'll just have to live with that I I, I do I do think uh, I know he's a friend of the show and all that I do think Fallin's been I I know this sounds weird unfairly tarnished by being injury prone he had the same injury three times but he doesn't get any other injuries all right so he'll be all right. Oh, I, I hope so. He's my all-time favourite player. Yeah, I have really? no shame. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. I, I don't actually want him to play again because he's such a beautiful footballer. <laughs> I couldn't get him taken getting injured for a fourth time. It kind of, it would break my heart. <laughs> okay, believe it or not, this has been so much fun, folks, uh, that we're nearly at the end. Um, so we are at the R's end. We haven't talked about um, Yeovil. It was Yeovil we played, wasn't Yay, it? 3-0. we won. We won. Got we haven't talked about Wolves. Wrap it all up in your R's end, which is the bit at the end. Anything else we haven't got in? Anything you'd like to talk about? Who wants to go first? Simon, you're the, definitely the best prepared, so you can go first. <laughs> uh, just on Saturday, I found the atmosphere very, very flat. Uh, and I've kind of noticed this over the last few years of kind going up into the Premier League. The atmosphere at Loftus Road isn't what it used to be. So kind of for the next home game, if we can try and ump the atmosphere a little bit and actually make going down to Loftus Road an enjoyable experience, mm. uh, I think would be beneficial for everybody. Jim? I think you're absolutely right. I think that's to do with um, the the affordability of football um, and other people going to the football these days and that's affecting it. Um, I, I thought Yeovil, uh, very briefly, Cole... Kawa or whatever you call him he was he played Cole. we'll, call him, we'll call him Cole he was excellent uh, and I wouldn't mind seeing him have a go if we're in a position that we can that we can do that uh, hopefully we can get a point at Wolves and get three points against Rotherham Chris my R's end is that QPR can they have to win on Saturday one because it's Stan Bowles day and number two is my uh, my nephew's first my nephew Albert his first ever QPR game two years old and uh, so my, <laughs> my, my brother um, has picked this game because he thinks, you know, we've got a chance of winning it. Um, Do you know what? It's my daughter Lily's first game on Saturday and I've picked it for very similar <laughs> reasons. I've picked it because it's kind of going to be quite a friendly atmosphere, quite sort of... I thought, should I take it to Cardiff? No. <laughs> um, so I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, let's have a great atmosphere at Loftus Road. Maybe if you're in the family stand, because I've moved my ticket there for the day, tone down the swearing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it for the same reason. You were about to jump in there, Jim. No, I was going to say, um, I took my wife to see QPR Blackburn, and it was a 1-1, and I went on the basis of maybe we'll get three points. We didn't, she's never come back. And your, <laughs> your orange mic has just reminded you that me that um, sandwich in the middle. We've got wolves away tomorrow night, yes. which is going to be yeah, really yes. difficult. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we'll finish on the two predictions for the two games. Let me do the uh, let me do the messages first because I forgot to do them at the start, didn't I? So you can thank you for listening. Those who have, you can follow us on Twitter at QPR 
pod you can if you go on facebook search for the qpr podcast find us there follow us there um our website where all old episodes um and various other things are there go to qprpod.co.uk that's all i need to tell you um predictions for wolves and rotherham I think we'll um, we'll get three points from those games. I think we'll lose three one to Wolves and beat Rotherham three 0 I can't bring myself to say we will lose at Wolves, but I don't think we'll get much out of it. But I think we'll beat Rotherham. So draw, win. By the way, I said we. Oh no, I got my prediction wrong on Saturday. I was about to say I got it right. Go on. <laughs> um, no, ditto. I, I I can't I can't bring myself to say we're going to lose so early on. Um, so draw uh, against Wolves and hopefully two 0 against Rotherham. Simon? Uh, Wolves seem a quality team this year, so uh, a loss against Wolves, 1-0. And let's be really optimistic against Rotherham. Let's go for a (laughs) 6-0. Polter, double (laughs) hat-trick. 6-0. Sounds good to me. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the QPR podcast. Come on, you ours. QPR. This podcast is a West 12 Media and Burble Media production.